was a conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today I have a brand new guest on. I am talking with Kyle Kilday about his upcoming documentary, The Last Scene. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Of course, I'm doing pretty well. Getting ready to uh, survive my first winter in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah? I was just in Denver uh, about a month ago interviewing uh, the starting line. Nice. Yeah. I bet that was fun. <laughs> yeah. First time in Denver, and it was actually like we lucked out. It was, it was like unbelievable weather. It was like, uh, it was like sixty in the daytime. Yeah, it was pretty nice here for a while. I'm down outside of Colorado Springs, so a little more south than Denver, but it still gets pretty cold here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm from Connecticut originally, so you know the feeling. I'm used then. To cold, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we go ahead and dive right in? Can you tell me a little about what the last scene is all about? Yeah, sure. So it's about the uh, like late '90s, early '2000s era of like punk. Um, I just considered it punk at the time, and kind of now as as well, because it wasn't really about genre for me, um, which is kind of a line that I'm trying to uh, walk um, <laughs> with this documentary. Because of course, like emo is such like a loaded term, you know. But basically, in the eyes of like uh, the general public, like this this is you know would be considered emo now. You know, it's basically like yeah. the what you would hear going to one of those emo nights or, you know, like one of those those uh, DJ things or whatever. So but basically just kind of that group of bands at that time and just how they all, you know, formed local scenes together, kind of like the old fashioned way. And, uh, you know, by actually like physically being there with people and uh, playing in VFW halls and like Moose Lodges or whatever. And then uh, just kind of like that that moment in time so like it's not so much about so even though i'm gonna obviously it's unavoidable like you have to talk about you know like some kind of labeling of things just just for the sake of talking about it it's not really about that it's it's like yeah it's just more about that like era of youth culture that seems like it's kind of past now um where like kids would just start band like you know like if if you live in a town you know odds are like you had like several friends who were like in a band and they would play shows and stuff which seems different now. And so, you know, kind of like looking back on that and kind of like the transition between kind of like the uh, the analog past, if you will, and mm -hmm. like the digital, you know, and then the, like the digital transition around the turn of the millennium um, kind of started with like mp3.com and things like that. And then obviously became, you know, what it is now, like everything's online. Nobody buys like a physical record anymore, you know, unless it's for like, like a novelty. But um, uh, yeah, so just kind of, their story and you know like where they fit in the landscape like in the historical landscape of punk music but also um just kind of rock music and music in general and i kind of want to get into like the music business and that's like mm -hmm. more my angle on it i think um i've kind of like been thinking like a, a lot about this lately because i've got because i've done about 18 interviews or so now okay and uh i've gotten like you know a lot of great stuff great stories from people and i definitely need all that but i've been thinking about how to set myself apart from the typical kind of like music doc which is so right. focused on just like discography mostly <laughs> yeah basically um so i want to try to put it into kind of kind of a larger context and kind of talk about the music business um a fair amount and kind of like the differences that have that have occurred there 
um, just on the business side and also just kind of like the cultural aspect of it. Just the fact that, you know, obviously like I'm definitely not one of those like rock music is dead because I know it's not <laughs> like it's definitely just go on on Spotify and just search like you'll find rock music. But right. there's something about like the cult, like the cultural power of rock music, though, is definitely like it's not the dominant, you know, like musical cultural force with young people anymore. Um, and kind of like, you know, like what that means, if it matters, uh, you know, if it could be again, um, you know, stuff like that. So and then, you know, I mean, also just kind of like an ode to like the garage band, basically, because um, I was uh, I was always like a musical kid and. I, you know, I did that whole thing. I had a band in high school and it was, you know, like it's a lot of fun and like you learn a lot of other skills from being in a band mm -hmm. that you can apply like later in life, uh, whether it's like interpersonal or, or, you know, business skills or just like traveling. I mean, not that we like I didn't tour. Let me just be clear. I was in, <laughs> I was not in like a touring band that, you know, or anything like that. But um, but, you know, like there's just kind of like value in that face to face, uh, if you will. Right. Kind of like interaction with 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 people and also just kind of getting out and kind of seeing the country and you know anyway yeah i majored in music industry and while the music industry isn't really what i'm working in at the moment i'm more so focused on creating podcasts editing podcasts and doing that whole freelance thing right now which you know at times is fun at times not so fun and Obviously, with creating a documentary, that's not something you just go out and decide to do one day without having at least some sort of background in film. So sure. what is your background in film? Um, I went to, to college for um, film and TV at Boston University. Okay. And uh, basically, uh, it was like right in the transition. I went into the, on the, the, the TV side which basically just meant that they would that they they would teach us like digital you know how to use like digital and uh you know like technology like and that was right i mean it wasn't obviously like you know i mean i'm not that old i'm only uh <laughs> uh i mean i'm going to be 38 in a couple of months but um so like it was kind of like at the transition but when like everything just started to go like this like uh everyone just started to edit on uh, avid or like final cut you know everything mm -hmm. was digital um so Basically, um, film school per se didn't really do anything <laughs> for me uh, directly, like in terms of my classes, other than I took video production classes, which was which was obviously, you know, helpful. Yeah. And learn how to use uh, early Avid, which was called uh, Avid Express Pro. Now it's called Avid Media Composer. So, you know, I, I took a couple of classes um, in like video production as part of my major, which were definitely worthwhile uh, because we like shot and edited, you know, our own like short movies and, you know, and things. Um, but uh, what really helped was um, I did a program. It was part of the abroad program, which um, I tell people is like a, like, you know, like a good joke. Like they had like an abroad, the like abroad packet and like, like you're flipping through and it's like Australia, you know, England, and then it's like Los Angeles <laughs> in the abroad program. <laughs> it's a whole different world out there. Yeah. And there's all these pictures of like people standing next to like, you know, like on Hollywood Boulevard and like looking up like, ooh, which it's funny because like it definitely was like a culture shock for sure. But I mean, obviously it's not 
you know, a foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a program here through BU and um, that was by far the like, I mean, hands down the, the like best thing that I did uh, in terms of, you know, it actually translating into something tangible afterwards because we basically, the deal was you had to do like an internship, at least one internship. And uh, they, they kind of, they structured it so that there were classes just because they had to have classes, but they didn't like, you know, but they were like always at night. Yeah. And they were like at the plate, we stayed in Park La Brea and they were like at some like conference room in, Par in like Park La Brea. And then otherwise everyone was, was just out, you know, working and meeting, making connections and uh, like learning. Cause that's the best way to learn something like this is to actually like go out and like work in it and then just be right. kind of like thrown in. So I worked for, I worked in like a development department for like a cable channel. And then I, and I worked on a set uh, for an, for an independent movie as like a PA. Um, and they were like great experiences. And then through that, um, I actually made a connection. And then after I graduated, I moved here to LA. I live in LA now. And, um, and I started working at a production company and then the rest is history, I guess. I mean, I, I started working, I started off in production and I worked in, in like production for a little while. But then I realized that, that, that I kind of liked uh, post-production more. So I, I'm so I transitioned into that. And now I'm a post-supervisor, uh, yeah, post which is basically, um, you know, uh, I like oversee like the edit schedule and like editing and um, okay. like delivery to network, stuff like that. Color correction, like finishing. So that's that's like my day job. But with like the way technology has, has gone in that job, you basically just de facto have to know like production too because it's all like because like it used to be more separate i came in kind of like in a parallel to my doc i guess with the transition and the like what was going on like you know in the industry and technology and stuff i came in i started working at a time where like things were transitioning from tape to like tapeless to like all digital mm -hmm. so once once that kind of happened uh in order to kind of kind of keep up you needed to in my position like you needed to learn like you needed to figure out how the cameras worked and like like you had to read all the manuals and know all the settings and you know and like give that to production so they knew like like what to do um like how to record you know and stuff like that and like the formats and all that so i've definitely been working in in post but um i knew something about production and then and then basically when i when i decided to do this um you know i just uh at first i kind of leaned on like a friend of mine who uh, was also like interested in like punk music and he actually wasn't a band okay. but like, like you know uh, he had but he's like he does like videography on the side and stuff like weddings and like aerial stuff or whatever traveled uh things and uh mm -hmm. so he so he kind of like helped me out in the beginning and shot a few of the first interviews with me and then i kind of like geared up myself and um and now i have my, like all my own equipment so it wasn't really you know like you definitely need to have like like you need to learn there are skills involved for sure. Yeah. It's not something you can just jump right into not knowing, you know, how to work a camera or something. Yeah. Or people, you know, like not, you know, like what's what's going on with like YouTube people or whatever. Like everybody thinks I can have a YouTube channel and just make YouTube videos and that kind of, you know, not to sound like you know, get off my lawn old man type, but um, it's not really the same as like trying to make something that, you know. Like trying to make like a feature, <laughs> you know, like a, you know, like yeah. professional. Um, I will say, however, that the the cameras themselves, the technology is definitely like within reach for people who want to just 
go out and actually make make movies and stuff like it's not you know like you know i mean they're not it's not nothing but uh they're not like crazy expensive like they used to be like buying cameras you know like buying cameras and like audio stuff i feel a little similarly about when people say oh podcasts are so easy to make i was like clearly you've never edited a podcast because the first time you listen to your voice you're gonna hate everything about it (laughs) and then you have to do that for hours on end and it's not that it's a super technical skill but a lot of people will record and not edit and then just toss it up and be like oh i have a podcast i'm like yeah you do but is it good (laughs) and you know my podcast this one and my stephen king one they're not super popular by any means, but I feel like the quality is good enough to where if I keep doing this, it's at least something to continue building my portfolio. And it's led to me getting, you know, an editing gig with URM Academy. And now I'm working on a new project. It's one of those things where it's a lot of work for me to not make any money doing this. And I feel like people in film and the music industry, that's something they also really understand because. Mm-hmm. The entertainment business feels like it has changed so much to where you look at a job post and it's like they want you to be three people in one. And it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) so I guess I won't be getting this job because I'm missing one little skill here that you want that is honestly kind of unrealistic for the job title that you just posted. (laughs) No, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's um, yeah, like my friends and I like uh, my friend who's an editor, um, he uh, he and I like like whenever I see some like ridiculous job posts it's like you know like four paragraphs long and it says like uh you know must must do this or whatever and then we like you know we're like uh chatting or whatever and we'll like add in like joke things like must must know how to perform open heart surgery uh (laughs) you know must uh must like own 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 like a uh you know like a construction crane or whatever um and then like at the bottom like it always says uh you know like you know, 800 bucks a week (laughs) or whatever, you know, for like, for something like that. (laughs) It's like, must, must, must have close personal, like relationship with, uh, with uh, the Lord or whatever, like, you know, but you know, like literally like you're able to talk to God at all times and he will respond to you, you know, 500 a week. What has happened in like the TV industry and I guess film too, because it's all kind of the same now with like everybody pretty much shoots on video now and it's all kind of like they use the same cameras and things mm-hmm. basically uh like a network used to when they would make a request they knew that okay well that means that we need to um like they have to they have to call they have to schedule a, like book a crew and they have to send them to wherever and then they have to film uh with the talent and then they got to re- bring the tapes back digitize them in real time uh, you know, the editor has to do it, blah, 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 blah. If they want it on a tape or something, we have to ship it. They know, okay, like you have like three days basically, right? To like do this. Yeah. Whereas now it's like the, like the technology has gotten, has advanced so far that networks are free to make like, you know, ridiculous requests. Um, and cause like they know that we can do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they'll be like, oh, Hey, we have, uh, you know, we want like promo selects. Can you, um, you know, like, here's a list, and it's, like, an hour worth of stuff, and it's, like, uh, can you, like, up-res and color it, and then, like, upload it to our FTP site or whatever, and we're, like, well, yes, we can, you know. (laughs) But we don't want to. (laughs) Like, we can do that by the, it's, like, yeah, can you, like, upload it by, like, you know, like, 7 p.m., and we're, like, yes, 
you know, like it's like currently like 345. But I mean, yeah, we can. So, OK. Um, and that so there's a lot of that. Uh, and the scary thing is like there's still like a ways that it could go. I mean, they're in terms of like the technology we're definitely not. I mean, it, like it's only going to get like faster and the like computing like power is just going to get better and you know the amount of time it takes to do this and that it's gonna it's gonna do like crazy things like um if like you want to veer into geekdom here so there's this program called um uh resolve okay by that's made by this company called uh, da vinci i don't know if they're like owned by somebody else probably you know some like bigger company but um like an offshoot or something but uh, anyway, so like they make this program called Resolve that like all that like everyone wants to fit wants to do color correction in Resolve to to give it like you know like uh, make everything look you know like a Spielberg movie right and it does a really good job and it's an amazing program they're like upgrading it continually to the point where like you could their like goal is to be able to basically work in like full 4K you know uh, like completely like the whole time mm-hmm. which is like even like five years ago was 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 like completely unheard of. So um, they have this 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 capability. So like what what you do is you're working in like another program. You would you would up res to like your full like you're working offline they call it which is like which is like low res so that multiple editors can work on it like producers etc like all at once you know without basically breaking your like your network right. Um, and then you like you upres it, and then you transcode it out to usually like ProRes, Apple ProRes for DaVinci, and then you send them a QuickTime. It's like a flattened like one layer, and then along with it comes it comes like a it's called the XML, which basically gives the information where the mm-hmm. cuts are, right? Like in the picture, and then you bring yeah. that in so that the program can like separate, and it gives you like you know each each shot individually. Okay, so that's like easy enough, right? Like it's not like like that that bad of a process. But what mm-hmm. I can do now, I like I've heard because it's been a minute since I've since I've actually done anything um, in Resolve. But uh, I've heard that you can you don't even have to give the fo- like the information, the metadata, basically like where the cuts are. They they like added some feature where like you can literally just upload a video, well Im- import a video. Um, and then it will automatically detect where the cuts are, like just from, I don't know if it's like AI or like what it is, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the it's feature magic. is that does it, <laughs> but it basically, and like, I've heard it works pretty well. Like, you know, here and there, like if you had something that was like super cutty and stylistic or did like mm-hmm. flash frames, like intentionally, it can kind of mess with it. But if you did like, but if I put my documentary in there um, where it's not going to be, you know, you know, like a crazy, like, you know, action sequence or whatever. Um, it would, like, it can just cut up, uh, it just cuts up the, 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 like, like the video and then, you know, like, you know, like you can start working on it and coloring each shot individually. And then like every, if like you set the look for an interview once, you can basically, it'll like carry over, uh, it can recognize. And replicate it. Yeah. Yeah. Like where it's like used again later. And then it, so like so you can color one shot and then basically color like the whole like that shot for the whole episode like all at once sounds like magic to me (laughs) yeah so it's yeah like it's pretty much wizardry you know for sure (laughs) yeah anyway so like when i'm getting my like long detour here 
um, which I have a problem with. So like, like definitely f- like feel free to cut me off if I start rambling. Um, but uh, I love detours. It's fine. <laughs> but like we have um, so like I was doing an interview with uh, JT Woodruff of Hawthorne Heights. Okay. He said something in his interview that like really like hit home for me because uh, it's basically like the exact same thing that's happened in like my industry too is he was like you know it used to be record company would be like or you know whoever is is like paying paying for you to make an album let's say right they used to be like uh do like you know like let's get so and so like you know like how much is that going to take right like you know like, you know, like how much will mm-hmm. you know like how much do we have to pay you know so and so to like produce this album or whatever yeah and then he's like and now it's like you know okay we have like this amount who can we get to work for this? <laughs> like, you know, who can we get who will accept this? Right. It's like a good like anecdote, but like it's a good um, like illustration, you know, like a very like succinct, poignant like illustration of what's 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 like happened in like all sort, you know, in, like in the creative world due to technology, I guess. I don't know. It's like a kind of, <laughs> like it's kind of a mix of like because just because we have the technology doesn't doesn't mean that, you know, like you have to pay people less. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to do yeah. that. Um, you don't have to try to cut corners everywhere, but it enables you, but like, it makes it, you know, easier to, I guess it's an excuse kind of to, to do that. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, that it's an excuse. So you mentioned some of the interviews you've done already, but what really spurred the idea for this documentary? Was it something you've always wanted to do? Because you come from, it sounds like, more of the TV world. And I imagine making a documentary is a very different thing than some of the TV stuff you've worked on. Yeah, I mean, yes and no, because I've worked on reality and like documentary, like cable documentary. Okay, so it's just a slightly different format to make it feature length instead of TV length. Again, like, it isn't, it isn't, because technically, like, you know, like, Netflix and Hulu are considered TV, right? True. Like, in in terms of how the industry has, like, decided to break them up, like, or, or you know, like, categorize them, you know. And then I've worked on stuff that's, like, where, like, it's, an, like, an hour-long show for, like, uh, like Discovery Health or something. Um, it's, like, considered, a, you know, like, a one-hour doc. Or maybe right. it's, like, a two-hour doc, you know, whatever. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't, like, completely foreign to me. Okay. So... From that end of it, yeah, like I've like I've worked on some shows that that could be considered like documentaries. Like I worked on this show called Breaking Point, which was kind of a spinoff of like uh, Intervention, okay, which is which is very much like doc style. You know, like it's not like a you know like it's not like a reality show, <laughs> right? Like it has like a doc feel and a like format. But what really got me wanting to do it was uh, was basically just that I've been working now for like fifteen years pretty soon like a full 15 years like actually working like paid job not like internship and uh in those 15 years I've probably only worked on maybe like well all right I've had plenty of job. I've, I've worked for companies I mean I'm like freelance you know like essentially so I like you know I bounce around every you know typically like every like eight eight or nine months let's say um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it'll last a little bit longer if it's it, like a show gets picked up and then, you know, like you can stay on, you know, you know, like if they start shooting again right away. But, um, for the most part, like I'm looking for a job like once a year, usually. Right. 
and uh, so I've I, I worked for a lot of companies and like a, a lot of different shows, different different networks, different styles. I've I've, I've done like housewives shows. I've done uh, that like intervention type thing, mm-hmm. but I've never done anything. But like pretty much, I have never worked on anything that that like I actually personally had it, like felt any any sort of connection to, right? Which right. I never used to care about, um, and I think that uh, there's definitely. <laughs> so there's definitely this whole thing like you know there's like messaging out there for young people to like quote unquote follow their dreams and all that stuff and you know like only like only do what you love like what makes you excited and stuff and it's like to a certain extent um I think that's all like you know very like harmful <laughs> like very harmful for people because if everybody you know if everybody focused on that kind of thing and like there were like like uh, no one would work basically because like <laughs> yeah <laughs> no one would be working retail <laughs> nobody you know? wants to go to a job every day and like sit there for eight hours or whatever but but we have to because that's kind of like our society so kind of the same kind of went for me it's like I didn't really care I you know I didn't care what it was I worked on it could be like dog whisperer well I take that back immediately because because uh, dog whisperer um, I would have loved to work to to work on that show <laughs> compared <laughs> to some of the shows that I've worked on. But um, so basically, like, you know, it was all about the people I worked with. And that's what kind of mattered. You know, like you kind of that's what you can control usually is like, you know, I mean, sometimes once once you get to a certain level, like you can start to kind of control like who you work with, at least in your like immediate area. Because like I'm at the point now where like I get to like hire people usually. So, of course, I'm going to like, you know, like hire people that that you know i've worked with before that i like and that you know like do a good job and maybe I'm, you know maybe i'm friends with too you know so that's like that's like kind of been like the but like the bar like mm-hmm. th- like the highest uh like level of fulfillment i can get is like oh i'm working on this show with david like you know i know it's going to be great but it doesn't matter but like as far as what the show is it's like i mean who cares right like it's like yeah. People looking for ghosts or whatever, like in a mansion, you know, like whatever. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to be able to do something that is more of a passion project right. just to sort of fulfill that need to enjoy what you're working on. And that doesn't mean that it isn't going to be difficult or, you know, stressful at times because I've certainly had moments where, you know, doing my podcast for fun, someone all of a sudden is like, oh, I can't record now. And it's, not necessarily as much of an issue with this podcast, but for my Stephen King one, I have everything all planned out chronologically. I have mm-hmm. post dates set for the next two years. So wow. it's like if someone bails on me the week before I need to do an episode on a book, it's like, okay, who can I find to read a Stephen King book in a week and record an episode <laughs> right. with me? Because that's asking a lot of someone at the same time too. And I certainly recognize that. So even though it's a passion project for me, it's one of those things where you still have to find this balance. Otherwise you'll end up not enjoying it. And it seems like the last scene is certainly that passion project for you. Yeah. It's definitely a passion project because I basically kind of hit the point now where it does kind of matter to me, like what I work on. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and 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 also I'm at the point in my like career uh you know trajectory I guess um path where it's like it's going to start to like it's starting to get harder to see where I like how I move up anywhere cuz like a lot mm-hmm. of companies cuz I'm basically like at the point where 
I'm looking at becoming like a director of like a department or something like that would be like my next step. And frankly, just the number of companies where that position even exists is like pretty small, relatively. For like all intents and purposes, I've basically like, you know, like topped out like in my career, like in my like day job. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be doing like, and this is the job that I'll be doing until I no longer have to. So basically, like it started me thinking like, well, I, you know, I, I got to figure out what I can do that I would actually like want to do in like 10 years from now. Because I look like 10 years from now and I'm like, do, do I want to be dealing with the same like not like nonsense that I deal with now? And it's like, I, no, I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, like I work in post, so I have a lot of friends who are editors and mm -hmm. I just can't imagine like dealing with what they deal with on like some of these shows at like 50 years old like I have no idea how you would like put like how you put up with that I mean I guess you just have to <laughs> and it's not like you know and it's not like editors like aren't compensated well for what they do but just like so many things that you know just like that you have to deal with because somebody that you have to listen to like you know it just is like didn't didn't give you notes on time or mm -hmm. uh you know um just is like is just bad at managing uh you know people or like bad or disorganized or whatever and to like have that affect you and have that come be like oh well we have to screen at like 7 30 tonight because that's when bill's gonna get here and it's like why it's getting hard for me to envision because like i have a family and my kids are young but you know they're like old enough where they they like do stuff and like we go, you know like they're not just like little infants yeah <laughs> like you know and you want to spend time with them and you have like a lot of commitments with you know with with kids like keeping them busy and things and it's kind of like i don't i just don't get how people you know just continue to like put up with it <laughs> i'm gonna get blacklisted yeah. from my you know like <laughs> i'm gonna get blacklisted people hear this that i work with no um so anyway so then i started thinking about like okay well like it would be cool one positive about this this like line of work though is that you can is that it's one of the few things now where like if you do have an idea and you have some ambition and like you can raise a little bit of capital like you can start a company and mm -hmm. it could become something just because of how the financing works uh just like how it's set up now yeah might that change yeah you know as as like things can continue to change and like evolve or whatever but i mean sure but as of you know for now and for the near future anyway like things aren't really gonna like that's 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 not gonna really change and it's gonna be the same system so you could easily like you know like you get a couple shows like you sell them you get money from a network or a, like a platform like hulu or like netflix whatever amazon and then like you can and then you and then you have a company and like you make a show like you know and you do it so that's basically what i've decided to like try to do and this is and then this project is this the last scene is basically like my first uh you know thing that i'm going to produce um and and kind of use it i mean the odds of me making like like actually making money off this are like pretty slim i think but um but that but like that's okay because it's going to be you know a movie that I want to make about something that I am interested in that, well, I'm more than interested. Like it's basically been my life for like 20 years, you know? Yeah. So I definitely have stakes <laughs> and I, you know, I don't want to like blow it and um, it's going to be kind of like my calling card. And then hopefully it can lead to like 
an actual production company that I can run. So that's basically like, like what I'm trying to do. But as far as like what kind of inspired me to kind of do this in particular, it's basically um, I've always, you know, like I said, like right at the beginning, like I've always been involved with music like personally and I kind of have like a pretty deep connection to it. So it's more than just like, you know, putting on songs while I'm doing housework. It's like I actually have kind of like a kind of like a, you know, like a like a pretty deep um well, like a pretty deep connection with it, I guess. I don't know, you know, I don't know how else to put it. You know, like like music like really means something to me. And yeah. um and this like there was something like I recognized that there was something like this a lot of these 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 bands especially in the beginning like like when this wave first started, like there was something there was something special about it um that I, that I that I recognized. And that's part of the doc is kind of exploring that and like explaining that and kind of figuring out what that was and why. So I figured like, well, if I'm going to try to make a movie like this, you know, like make a documentary, this is what I should make it about. Yeah. But as far as like the timing goes, um, you know, it's kind of as simple as we're kind of in that 20 year since like window now mm -hmm. with like anniversaries of, of like, you know, landmark albums like uh, Through Being Cool by Saves the Day and like, you know, like albums like that. We're kind of in that range right now where people are starting to like look back on it and like reflect and bands are doing like anniversary tours you know i guess they kind of started you know about five years ago uh, like jimmy eat, eat world i remember going to a like a 15 year anniversary for uh, clarity okay and now this is the 20 year anniversary of it um and then i remember like oh you know this is cool and then it kind of started with like a bunch of those bands just started doing like tours where they, you know, played an album like, you know, like the whole album or whatever, like anniversary. Mm -hmm. Get Up Kids, Starting Line, Saves the Day, uh, Say Anything, uh, you know, Taking Back Sunday, like all those bands have all done it. So that kind of got me thinking like, OK, well, now's a good time. And then about a year ago, like I was on paternal leave for my second kid and I was like, uh, well, you know, and my uh, the. Uh, job I was on it just ended and I was like well let me take a little bit of time to kind of like just like get this started so I started kind of I put together like a sizzle reel um which is basically just like a like a pitch thing with just yeah. like stuff I found on like YouTube or whatever you know because <laughs> it's not for like you know to like you know like release or whatever so yeah, you're not going to be profiting off of that at all by any means. It's more a promotional tool for you to use to give people an idea of what it is you can do. Yeah, and people will be like appalled, <laughs> like you know, artists would be, like like musicians would be appalled to hear like you know, uh, you know, like well, what's that song you know that, that like that band does just like throw it in there, you, you know, like development people who are just trying to sell stuff to networks or whatever. Like it's like chocked full of stuff that you could never like afford to clear or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they just like rip it off YouTube and like and like put it in there. So, yeah. So that's kind of how it's how the seed was planted. And then I and then at first I tried to go about it like as if I were like a producer or like a director um, trying to basically like pitch an idea, pitch a concept to a network or whatever. And um, and kind of like, you know, go about it that way. Have like development meetings or whatever and like you know, like, like talking to like producers I knew and, and stuff like that to see if they were interested or whatever. And then, you know, I, like it basically that, that kind of went on for like six months or something. And then I was like, you know what? I mean, I can, you know, I could just like do a Kickstarter, try to raise some money and then just like, just start doing it. And I don't, and, and not have to worry about like, 
what anyone else thinks <laughs> or like what anyone else, you know, um, or you get to keep that control over it. Yeah. And not that I'm like a control freak, but I would, but you know, and it's not that like I'm against collaboration by any means. I, in fact, like whenever I've like tried to, you know, I've, I've, you know, like everyone in this town, I've, I've, I've like done some writing or whatever, like, you know, scripts and things. And, um, I always work better with like a partner or something like there's something about me where I, where I, I like do work better, but, um, but in this case, I was like, well, I kind of know what I want to do and who I want to go talk to. So let me just start doing it. So I just started doing it. And then, and then once I got some interviews, I, then I did the Kickstarter and now, you know, I'm using up that money to like taking me as far as I can get with like production. And then I'll start putting it together. Cause once I get to post, you know, I need like less outside help, you know, in some ways, um, even though it would be nice to have like couple people to help me like watch footage and <laughs> make notes and stuff and string outs because there's like a lot of it um there's you know like a lot of footage already but um and then just to helping to source archival and all that like it's a big undertaking but once I get past production though you know I don't want I'm gonna try not to be one of those docs that it takes like five years to you know you know for someone to see it but yeah but like once I get past production though where like I need to just have time to go and like actually like be be ready to go somewhere like if someone's ready to, you know like like you know willing to to talk to me like at that moment or whatever when it's just in post and it's just here like I have like an editing like set up in my in my house like I can I can just work on that you know like at, you know in my free time and then just you know put it together so here we are <laughs> so obviously just starting something is a really good way to go about learning as you go too. Mm-hmm. I was asked back in 2015 to start a podcast for Modern Vinyl and I had no idea what I was doing really. I had been on one episode of the Modern Vinyl podcast, I think, and then Chris emailed me asking if I would like to start a podcast for the site and I just said yes because I was listening to so many podcasts at that time and you know, I was working some like boring data entry job that I didn't really care for and you know, maybe leaving that job back in 2015 wasn't my brightest idea because here it is the end of 2019 when we're talking now and I'm still sort of trying to figure out what I'm doing next. I'm doing, you know, some freelance work here and there for podcasts, but it's by no means a full-time thing for me. And for you, it seems like even though this documentary might not be the thing that makes you big by any means, it'll Mm -hmm. help you get to where you want to go with these passion projects of yours and hopefully turn them into something that will make you money in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And this is kind of like a theme, you know, in the doc so far, like the people's stories, because... Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) There's a lot of like entrepreneurship, you know, that was like involved in this because, you know, the bands that I'm talking to or uh, not just the bands, but like the people who just, you know, did something like, uh, Amy, Amy Fleischer Madden, I talked to who, uh, she was, she was a group in Florida and kind of like at like 15 years old or whatever, she was like helping basically run like the like underground punk venue, like in Miami with like, you know, some lady like booking shows, like booking the bands and stuff. And then she just started, like, she started a record label at 16 because she just wanted to, she wanted to put out, like, she knew these bands. She's like, I like, like people like have to hear this, <laughs> like, let's just make a record, you know? So there's like, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of that like 
can-do spirit and like sense of agency that mm -hmm. all these 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 uh, kids had that they just wanted to do something, you know, and like you can't do it unless you do it, right? Yeah, and having that urgency too to just make it work, I think, yeah. helps with a lot of people because you know, obviously a lot of people will try to make it in the entertainment industry and more often than not, someone won't. But if you're someone who keeps at it and just claws away a little day by day or even year by year in some cases, you'll get to where you're going. You've seen a lot of people who have you know, been journalists and they've been covering movies and TV and then they make their way into creating TV or movies and it's just one of those things where you have to just keep going. Otherwise, you're just never going to get to where you want to go. And, you know, with this documentary, I'm not surprised that a lot of the people you have talked to have had that kind of personality where they just keep at it. And how did you end up deciding who you were going to speak to for this documentary? Did that factor into it or was that something you just noticed as a pattern as you went along? So like when I started to think about who I wanted to interview, the, the like the first place I started was, well, who are the bands that I liked the most, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, who did I go and see all the time? Um, you know, like when I was going to shows, like back in like like back in that era. And so I kind of like made a list of like my favorite bands and uh, who I thought were like who was like noteworthy and you know, but but at the same time, I was like, okay, well who like wasn't that noteworthy who but who was like really good and you know like I would just like to feature right <laughs> I'd like to like talk to them and then I just started like reaching out to people basically on like social media uh or if they had you know or if I could find like a personal connection some you know some way um and then I just started reaching out to people and then you know as the people started to like respond I kind of realized a lot of the uh, themes or whatever, or the like, the topics like it was a community. Like they, like everyone knew each other. Like blah blah. It was confirmed that like you know I was right. <laughs> that yeah. they that they do all know each other and like they like they talk and they hang out. A lot of them are still you know performing like New Found Glory and like like Dashboard's doing a twenty year reunion. Saves a day still going. Uh, Taking Back Sunday has never stopped. <laughs> like it seems they're always on tour. So then once it got to a certain point. Like it snowballed to the point where like there was awareness and that, you know, and of course, like once I did the Kickstarter and stuff and then like it became like really public, um, then it's gotten like easier to get in touch with people, which is great. Yeah. I mean, I basically just reached out the, the like the first first person I reached out to was probably uh, this guy named Gary Hedrick, who's in uh, this band and who was like a uh, like a Boston band at the time called uh, Kicked in the Head. Okay. <laughs> that like my friend and I used to love that we used to go see all the time. And I just like saw him on Facebook and I just like sent him a message and like he responded. And then it was like, okay, cool. So like, uh, you know, you should like, you know, you know, like talk to so-and-so or whatever. And then I just started just like, just contacting people. And then through like that network or whatever, it just started to kind of like build. And then, um, and then when I was, when I decided to, um, that I was going to do the Kickstarter, like go that route. I, uh, a friend of mine who's a producer, like TV producer told me, oh, like, uh, I know this guy, uh, his name's Steve. Um, he's, he's, he's in this band called Punchline who is like, 
active at the time. Yeah. They're still going strong. And he was like, yeah, like uh, I did a show with him. He was like on a on some show he did for Fox. And uh, I won't go into like, <laughs> I like looked it up. It was you know, like, like what the show was. And it was kind of like one of those. I can't even describe it. Anyway, so like, moving <laughs> on. So um, it was just one of those. <laughs> yeah. He hooked us up on email. And um, and then it was like, yeah, you know, and then he's like, Steve, like, run, like he like co-runs this uh, company that like helps people crowdfund uh, for like music related stuff mostly. Um, I'm like, oh, OK, cool. So then I kind of like got hooked up with with Steve and then he was, you know, and then his the the, the other person who runs it, it's called uh, Enjoy Craft Services and it's co-run by Punchline's managers named Jim Legrando. And um, we started talking and I was like, yeah, so basically I want to do this doc about like this time, you know, in music and like the punk scene or whatever and kind of like what happened to it, like how it blew up and then, you know, how like, you know, like what happened after and all that. And then he's like, wow, great. So then that helped a lot because Steve is literally friends with like a lot of these people. So <laughs> it made it easier for sure. Like after that to get in, 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 in touch with people. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's like, the same as just walking up and talking to them after their show like back in the day like when they were just standing by the merch table like that's what they're still doing you know i went to the uh saves a day had a did like a few um 20 year anniversary shows for uh through being cool and uh they did one in la here and um vinnie caruana from movie life and i'm the avalanche open for them did like a solo acoustic set and I like interviewed him too. Um, Hot Rod Circuit also played, and you know afterwards, like or, or well not well no not afterwards beforehand. I'm like standing out like in the merch area, and like Andy Jackson from Hot Rod is just kind of like hanging out by the table. I like, walked up, I'm like, hey, like, you know what's up? I'm making this doc. Like you, you've heard about. It. He's like, oh yeah, okay. And everyone's like pretty approachable. You know, like nobody's you yeah. know like like Beyonce or like Bono. <laughs> they probably wish they had Beyonce's money though. <laughs> yeah, probably. But like nobody's like unappro- like unapproachable on that level. Yeah. Um, or seemingly unapproachable, you know. But um, but you know what? I mean, I guess my advice to anybody who like else wants to do this is like, don't don't think that you're gonna just basically just start doing it. You know, just just do yeah. it. Like don't like don't worry about it. Just uh, the worst that can happen is they don't respond or like they blow you off or like they're like not you're or, or you know they're not really sure you know and it, and it might be kind of uncomfortable or whatever for you but if it's something you really want to do like you know don't let that stop you you know definitely some good advice well i know this is very much still a work in progress so we don't have the final cut to talk about or anything and i'm sure i'll probably follow up with you later but my last question for you today is what is your main goal for this documentary? Is it just to sort of get this passion project out of your head and onto the screen? Is it to educate people all of the above? What do you think your main goal is for it right now? Um, honestly, I think my main goal is to kind of um, educate. I guess educate in the sense that for all the people that I, like all the kids I knew who I would see at these shows who I know you know, we're also into it, <laughs> obviously. And then all the people that you know, you see the videos, it's like yellow card, like newfound glory, uh, you know, like follow up or like they were all on like TRL. It's not like it's stuff no one's ever heard of. Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
So like, you know, like Blink-182, like, you know, like all these bands. Um, so it's not like it was some obscure thing that never went any that like stayed underground all, like the whole time. But um, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I do meet a lot of people like, like, like you know, my age who have, who have no clue like what I'm talking about, which kind of like blows my mind for that like there are people out there in in my age group who didn't know this was going on you know Mm -hmm. so i guess for them it would be like like an education thing i guess i don't know but basically um i guess i just want to like i don't know i mean i want i have kind of like things i want to say about it and kind of about like what you know like like the value in kids kind of like doing stuff like this Mm -hmm. going out there playing music creating things for yourself, not, not, not just relying on, or or just not just checking to see what's being recommended to you, you know, um, on like various things. Yeah. And also just kind of that the, the barrier to entry to doing something like this and not, you know, and and I mean, like if like you want to play music or like try to write a song or whatever is like zero, right? Like you don't have, like you can just, it's not something that you need to really have anything, uh, you know, in your hands or like in your possession, um, to do, like you can just do it. Like if, if it's how you want to express yourself, um, I wanted to, to, to just kind of get across that, like, it's an important tool for kids to express themselves, you know, young people Yeah. and that it can really help you. You know what I mean? Like there's like a lot of disillusionment out there right now. And like, you know, I feel like, you know, it's like a good coping mechanism you know, playing music, it's a good outlet. Um, it's good for your brain. <laughs> it's good for society, like, to, to, for, to kind of have examples, people actually playing music and writing their own songs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I don't know, I guess I just want to kind of celebrate that kind of, uh, like, that activity, that culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, music has always really felt like the family you choose, especially with a lot of bands like this. It's not big labels just putting groups together like they did with NSYNC and, you know, New Kids on the Block or whoever, you know, they were groomed for that. But with this music scene, it's much more about who you choose to share these things with, these moments in your life. And I think a lot of these bands will have plenty of stories to tell about those things and it won't feel like that sort of discography documentary that we mentioned early on. And I think that's something that the music scene needs more of, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Just like as kind of like maybe like an analogy that or like an example that will maybe help clarify like what I'm saying, because I know I didn't really say that very well, but but like. Something that always, like, gets me, something that really, like, one of my peeves is whenever I see, like, a reboot of something, right? And there are many of those these days. (laughs) Now, with, like, you know, with movies, I guess it's one thing. But uh, in terms of, like, um, like, culture, like, you know, like, rebooting culture. For example, like, why does, like, Ninja Turtles have to be remade a few times, right? It's kind of like, it it was created once, and it was during a time, and it's kind of like, you know, we don't need to, like, forget about it or, you know, or, or, like, that's what I'm saying. But it's kind of like... You can just let it be. Yeah, just ju- just let it be and come up with something new for the new for, for the new generation. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. And I know that there, like, that people are out there, like, with these ideas. I, I think that they could do that. But, you know, the powers that be, like, choose not to, you know? 
and uh, I don't know, like I feel like it, it's important for each new generation to kind of like have its own thing, you know, because I like in terms of music, you know, like 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 specifically, I was like lucky my my parents were like very into music and my dad had had this like like great like record like classic rock, you know, record collection. Um, so I, you know, I grew up like listening to like, you know, like Zeppelin and the who and like, you know, bands like that, Van Halen. And that's great. But, you know, I went out and I like, you know, when I got to be a certain age, I like, I was like, well, I want my own thing, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I, I think any, like every generation should, should have their own thing. And I guess they do, right. They do now, like, you know, the, like they have their own thing, but I don't know that, but there's something different about it. And I don't know if it's just that I, you know, I guess one of the questions I'm going to, I'm going to try to answer for myself through this process is like, you know, is it, is it just that I'm just older and now, right? Like, and I don't get it. Or is there truly kind of like a lost feeling with like music in particular and like what, and, and like, why is that? Like that, that just like you put on something, you get goosebumps uh, you know, or like you can like, or there's something like intangible about it um, that you, like you can't put your finger on, but it just like really like resonates with you. Or like you can, something comes across that is just like undeniable, like unmistakable. Like there's something like unique and special about this. And I don't know, you, you know, so I don't know if it's just that I'm just, you know, when you get to be a certain age, it's like that won't happen anymore. Yeah. Just, you know, like naturally that just won't happen anymore. It'll happen with like the music that spoke to you that way, like when you were, you know, like that age or whatever, like a teenager or like a, you know, early twenties or whatever. Um, but I don't know, like I, I can't help but think that there's, that there's something different in the way that like the business, that things work behind the scenes that like have contributed mm -hmm. to it as well that I'm, that I'm like hoping to like uncover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it's like the production is like too glossy, <laughs> right? Like they can make things like too perfect or whatever, you know, on recordings or um, there's like maybe maybe like there's like, a, a, you know, a couple extra voices in the room now that kind of like yeah. maybe like change, like change a couple things that the artist wants to do, but they but it, but they change them and then it like kind of, you know, saps whatever that is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. I'll find out, I guess. Maybe. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on to discuss the process for, you know, taking this from idea to starting to bring it to life. And hopefully, you know, once the final product is out, we can come back, maybe do a part two or something and discuss how things turned out from here forward. Sure. And I quickly want to let you all know that you can support the podcast on Patreon. You can follow us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. Kyle, where can the listeners find more info on the documentary and find you on socials? Uh, we have a website um, that I haven't updated for a, few, for a couple months. Um, <laughs> uh, TheLastScenedoc.com. All, all one word. Um, and then we have an Instagram page, profile, whatever, uh, at the last scene doc, kind of where I post, like whenever I do a new interview, um, I'll like do a post about it or whatever. You can kind of keep, keep, uh, tabs on who I'm talking to and kind of maybe, uh, you know, just get some tidbits of what's the happenings. Get some behind the scenes looks there. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be doing, uh, some travel 
Starting in January, we're going to uh, Nashville and New York, New Jersey, Boston. We'll also be making a trip to Chicago at some point. I gotta kind of figure figure that out. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe a couple other places, depending on uh, schedules and people agreeing to do it. So, uh, yeah, good times. Yeah, cause uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, like it's it's been a great experience so far for sure. Hardest part, honestly, so far for me has been the social media. I'm just like not a social media person. <laughs> and there was like, especially during during the Kickstarter, like when we were trying to like promote it, right? Which I 100% I understand, right? And I, I get it, like 100%. And mm-hmm. I used to scoff when I saw like job listings, like social media you know, as a, a, in the manager, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I used to be like, please, that's not a job. It's a job. It is it's 100% <laughs> a job. There's there are techniques. There's like you know things to do like with like schedules and all that stuff. Like hats off to those people who know how to do it and like do it well and have tons of followers or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's been the hardest part by far. Making the movie part's been easy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes social media is harder than people think. Totally understandable. To use it like as a marketing thing, like for sure, you know. I mean, like it's like it's very intense, and I I definitely didn't put in as much as I could have to that. Like I kind of have, you know. It's too bad. I feel like the Kickstarter probably could have done a little bit better if I had been better at that. But oh well, here we are. You know. I mean, I'm still making it. It's fine. It doesn't really, like that doesn't change that. Yeah. Um. So basically, yeah. Like I'm gonna make. Basically, I like you know. I promised my backers uh, that I would make them you know, I'd make them something. Uh, so I'm going to do like at a minimum that like, you know, I'm going to make a movie for the people who want to see it. Mm-hmm. They, cause I know they want, cause I know they literally, they want to see it cause they gave me money. So <laughs> they, so you will see it, <laughs> you will see something. And then, you know, like we'll go from there. I would love to do like, you know, I mean, I'd love to make like a, like a three part thing, like really get into it, do like a three part mm-hmm basically like basically miniseries like each 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 stage like the beginnings you know go like chronologically um i'd love to do it like i'd love to shoot it shoot 200 interviews or whatever and make you know do all sorts of stuff and like license everything but we'll see uh that whole end of it we'll see what we can do but it's a lot of work (laughs) and and i'm gonna try to not have it take you know years because i know that everyone i know who has made a documentary (laughs) Or, like, try to, or is in process, they're like, yeah, I started, like, two years ago. I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm going to try not to, I'm going to fall victim to that and really, like, get it out there. Yeah, well, hopefully you are able to accomplish it on the timeline you would like to. And, Kyle, thank you again. Thank you for having me. Of course. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.